Welcome to The Wrap, a weekly podcast covering women's sports news. My name is Chloe Dalton. I'm an Olympic gold medalist and I play AFLW for the GWS Giants. I'm joined every week by my co-host Bez, chief researcher, merch queen, women's sport and rugby and thinks she hates the introduction. Bez, how are you? I'm great, friend. How are you? I'm great. (laughs) Taking a look around the grounds. Just all the grand finals, grand final, grand final, grand final. <laughs> so good. Um, plus the Matildas get past New Zealand in the final two minutes of stopping time. For our key story, we'll discuss the straightforward strategy behind Barcelona selling out 91,000 tickets twice. This podcast drops every Tuesday morning at 6am, so make sure you hit the subscribe button and give us a review. Let us know what you think. And you can also sign up for the weekly newsletter that hits your inbox Tuesday morning to read with your morning coffee. I'll put the link in the show notes so you don't miss out. Let's take a look around the grounds. In AFLW, which was the first of the three grand finals that happened over the weekend, the Adelaide Crows hosted the Melbourne Demons in the AFLW decider. The Crows were once again the victors, registering a four goals, five, 29 to two goals, four, 16, win and in the process stamp their name on the trophy for a third time. They've now won three of the five grand finals since the AFLW started, adding the 2022 flag to their 2017 and 2019 triumphs. It was a pretty interesting game. The Ds looked really nervous. They were quite fumbly throughout and it took them until about halfway through the third quarter to actually look like they were involved in the game. They started to bring a lot of pressure and and made a bit of a comeback couple of good goals, but Adelaide were just on top. I, I thought for a while that Adelaide's inconsistency in front of goal might be their downfall and maybe Melbourne could come away with something magical and, and kick another couple of goals. Because if you look at the scoreline, the fact that Adelaide have only kicked four goals in a grand final, it, it wasn't a huge scoreline. So I was hoping that maybe the Ds would have come back with something, but it didn't happen. We saw um, Tay Harris competed really well in the air to bring the ball to ground, but she was being double teamed by um, the Crows' incredible defenders in Chelsea Randall and, and Chelsea Bedell, who's been um, outstanding for the Crows this year. Overall, the D's just couldn't get the job done. Adelaide have proved that they're the team to beat for sure. So leading into the match, there was a lot of chat around, um, I guess, the future of two of AFLW's pioneers, mm. Daisy Pearce and Aaron Phillips. Mm. Thoughts on the future of those two, Chloe? I'm going to call that Phillips is going to go to Port Adelaide. So for those that don't know the history of that one, so her dad won, what was it, eight premierships um, with the Sandful team for Port Adelaide. She actually unofficially signed with Port before the AFLW competition and then Port didn't actually get a licence. So she's gone and played with the rival club, the Adelaide Crows, for six years now and now has the opportunity once they expand. So I, I can't see her not going if she continues to play. If she continues to play. And then the Daisy one, there's a lot of talk about, is Daisy going to retire? There's, she's hot property in terms of moving into the coaching ranks in the men's side of the game. I don't know. I think, I think she keeps going. Mm. So we were talking earlier about um, the fact that the AFLW season is looking more and more likely to start in all, the next AFLW season in August this year. Um, obviously they're trying to AFL is trying to find a more permanent traditional footy space on the calendar for you, for your competition. It, I think it's probably a good point that that start may tempt Daisy to stay around for another season. I think that's a really good point. I hadn't even thought about it because 
if you've only got it, like we've only got about six weeks off before we start another preseason, you don't have to keep yourself fit for a lot longer. And she's gone so close to winning a flag. I reckon she goes around again. By the time they finish partying, it'll be time for preseason again. <laughs> She'll be sweet as a nut. <laughs> uh, in more AFLW news, the best and fairest was held last week. The Brisbane Lions midfielder Emily Bates took home top honours, polling 20 votes, which included six bog performances. Huge. Best on ground for those who don't know. Bog. Adelaide's Anne Hatchard finished a very close second on 20 votes with Kangaroo Ashradell and Crow Ebony Marinoff finished equal third on 18 votes. Carlton's Mimi Hill was named 2022 Rising Star. Adelaide's Ashley Woodland was named leading goal kicker with 21 goals. And rounding out the awards, North Melbourne's Talia Randall received the Marker of the Year Award and Frio's Ebony Antonio kicked the goal of the year. One of the highlights you were there had a, oh. had a good night, Chloe, but um, definitely one of the highlights for me watching at home on the telly was watching the Brisbane Lions coach, Craig Sarchevich, take his shoe off when Emily Bates is on stage, fill it up with champers and do a shoey. I chatted to her yesterday on um, Sports Sunday and she, it was getting up to round five, I think it was, of the poll. And she turned to him. She's like, I'm no hope. He's like, I reckon you're on here. If you win, I'll do a shoey. And then she went up on stage and called him out and he did it within seconds. It was so good. Wonderful. In basketball news, the best of three grand final series for the WNBL may have started under a bit of a cloud of controversy as we discussed Uh, On the wrap, I think it was last week when we chatted to uh, Canberra Capitals player Kelsey Griffin, whose team was forced to withdraw from their semifinal after some COVID complications. But it ended with an exciting series that saw the Melbourne Boomers triumph in game three, 84 to 66 to take home the trophy. It was just their second WNBL championship in 38 years and their first since the 2010-2011 season. They started fast and the Perth Lynx weren't really ever able to peg them back with the Boomers leading at every break. Boomers star import Lindsay Allen was awarded the Rachel Spawn medal for the grand finals most valuable player. She was instrumental across all three matches, scoring 13 in game one, dominating game two with 29 points to help force a decider and finished with 14 points, seven assists and four rebounds in game three. The Boomers made a little bit of history when they became the first team to lose the opening game of a WNBL grand final series, then win its next two fixtures since the format was introduced in 2015-16. That's pretty impressive to come back. Mm, that game two, which I guess happened last week, amazing. Did you the end of that? So over in Perth, oh, packed out. The free throw. Packed out, packed out Perth Stadium. You've got three to tie it up, three from the stripe to tie it up, and she just... Missed that last one. Oh, it's a lot of pressure though, isn't it? But that's what that that's what you practice as a kid in the backyard, right? That's very true. That's very true. The Boomers almost had to make do with a substitute trophy when the WNBL announced via Twitter during the match the trophy had gone missing on the flight from Perth to Melbourne and that the women winners would receive something a little different instead of the actual trophy. Luckily, it arrived at the Melbourne Sports Centre in Parkville just in time for the presentation, so we never know what the standing would have been. I want to know. Same. I want to know what they were going to present them. Something a little different, they called it. I want to know what it is. Tell me. (laughs) If anyone knows, please tell us. (laughs) All right. NRLW. So second grand final for the weekend. Saw the Sydney Roosters, who started the NRLW Grand Final as considerable underdogs, shock the St. George Illawarra Dragons when they produced a second-half blitz to win 16-4. to 
The Dragons started the match perfectly when Madison Bartlett finished a slick move started by Emma Tonegato, a set piece, which you don't see a lot in rugby league, off the back of the scrum. E.T. jumped out of the back of the scrum. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful to watch. So that was the first two minutes all going to script for the Dragons, but that's really where it stopped. The Roosters scored three times in the second half with Yasmin Meeks, Isabel Kelly and Olivia Higgins all getting over the line. Roosters prop Sarah Togatuki was a wrecking ball in the middle and was awarded the Karen Murphy medal for best on ground after really showing the way in the second half. The match, which was played in Redcliffe in in front of 7,855 supporters, was Super tense throughout, and it really wasn't until the late that last try from Higgins that the Roosters could start to celebrate. When the siren sound of the Roosters players were ecstatic, it was a first premiership after grand final losses in 2018 and 2020, and the first time the trophy would be lifted by a team other than the Brisbane Broncos, who the Roosters had dumped out of the finals the week before. Well done, Chooks. I'm going to say, we, I know we talked about the location of this last week on The Wrap, I hope that the NRL learns from this for next season. And, I mean, I know it's it's really tricky in terms of scheduling with grounds and, and all of those things, but I hope for next year they actually wait to allow it to be a home grand final for whichever teams are in that game. Yeah, interesting you say that. We're obviously coming into finals time for the Super W at the moment and uh, will be announced Monday um, that the Super W grand final will actually be in Melbourne. Mm. Yeah, it is interesting. That will be a part of the Super Rugby Super Round, um, which is pretty cool. But, again, for all of the fans and friends and family, it's travelling to Melbourne, which at the end of school holidays on a long weekend, it's the Anzac Day long weekend. Not a cheap cheap, um, excursion. Yeah, I just think with the growth of women's sport, you have to give people every opportunity, make it as easy as possible for them to get to watch live sport. Maybe the – lady from Barcelona FC might have some advice for us later in the program. Oh, we'll get to that. Did I just call it a program? Program. <laughs> we on the ABC? Is that what's happening? <laughs> Still in rugby league news, the NRLW Awards Night was held on Thursday last week and history was made when Emma Tonegato and Millie Boyle became the first joint winners of the Dally M Female Player of the Year Award. Boyle the Brisbane Broncos forward, how's the alliteration? And Tonegato, the Dragons fullback, were both standouts throughout the season and very much deserving winners on the night. It was another tight count with Parramatta Eels forward Samima Taufa leading heading into the final round before Tonegato and Boyle polled three votes in round five to overtake her. NRL CEO Andrew Abdo heaped praise on the two players and the entire competition saying, I need to congratulate all the players this season the standard of competition has been incredible. There's been 18% more tries, a 59% increase in lead changes, and ratings have grown substantially. Gold Coast Titans' Brittany Braley Natty was awarded the Captain of the Year Award. St George Illawarra's Jamie Soward was uh, awarded Coach of the Year. Gold Coast Titans forward Shania Power was given a Try of the Year Award for effort against the Brisbane Broncos in Round 4. And Emma Tonegato rounded out an excellent night when she took home the Tackler of the Year Award following her stunning tri-saver on Sydney Roosters Centre, Jess Surgis, in round five. That was a great tackle. If you haven't seen the video. It was ET all over, that is. That's that's crunning. Seven's crunning right there. Try running. Try running. In soccer, the Matildas left it very late to secure a 2-1 win over the Football Ferns on Friday night in Townsville. They dominated possession but didn't have a lot to show for it and a bit of sloppy defending in the 32nd minute allowed Anna Green to rip a stunning left-footed angled shot 
Past goalkeeper Lydia Williams, who was off her line, the Ferns found themselves one up for the majority of the match and defended stoutly with New Zealand's goalkeeper, Victoria Essen, super impressive for the Ferns. It was watching the game, the Matildas had so many shots at goal, but they just could not convert. Um, Katrina Gorey was exceptional in the middle of the park for the Matildas and what was her first match back in the green and gold in 788 days. She gave birth to her daughter Harper in August last year and has returned to football through a solid season in the A-League women's comp with the Brisbane Roar. It wasn't until stoppage time that the Matildas finally got the breakthrough. In the third minute of injury time, Carpenter's streaming run ended in a cutback to an unmarked Emily Van Egmond. This time, the football ferns were unable to deny Australia as they tied up the scoreline. It was pleasing to see the Matildas push for a win and in the 95th minute, they got it. Another pinpoint Steph Catley corner fell to Sam Kerr on the edge of the six-yard box and the captain headed home for her 57th goal for the national team to secure a miraculous 2-1 win. The second match in the Game 2 series will take place tonight in Canberra. In mountain bikes, Aussie Rebecca McConnell had the biggest win of her career in the opening round of this year's XCO World Cup. The race was held in Brazil and it was a breakthrough performance for Beck, who last year had five podium finishes, three times coming in second. McConnell took first place for the time of one hour, 29 minutes, 41 seconds. The race was super tight throughout, but McConnell was too strong in the last kilometres and pulled away from the pack in the last lap to finish more than 15 seconds clear of her rivals. She was elated after the race, saying, The truth is that I don't even know what to say. It's been really crazy. Everyone told me that I was getting closer to my first World Cup victory, that I was running very consistently for the last few years, but you don't believe it until it's coming. The past winter, there were a lot of changes, and for me, it's very important to be here and get this victory. Let's take a look at the key story. In soccer, two weeks ago, the Barcelona women's football team played a Champions League quarterfinal against their fierce cross-town rivals, Real Madrid. More than 91,000 people crammed into Camp Nou, Barcelona's home ground for that match, and the footage that was shared across socials was amazing. The roar of that crowd. I was late for breakfast with you because I couldn't stop watching reels. Is that what happened? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but <laughs> prior to this match, the women had only played at Camp Nou once in 2021 when COVID-19 restrictions meant that the match was played there without a crowd. The team normally play their games at the 6,000-seat Johan Cruyff Stadium, but the overwhelming success of the match v versus Real Madrid was has prompted the club to host their Women's Champions League semi-final first leg against Wolfsburg at the same venue. So 50,000 of the potential 91,000 tickets for the semi were made available last week to club members and every single ticket of the 50,000 was snapped up in a matter of hours. Tickets went on sale to the general public days later and thousands waited in online queues to purchase tickets. Football journalist Alex Ibisita shared a photo of the Barcelona website, which showed she was 12,880th in the queue to buy tickets. That's just mind-blowing. Bloody excellent. It makes me so happy. Just over 24 hours after going on sale, the sold-out sign went up when Barcelona announced that the home leg of the semifinal was a sellout. The club said some tickets have been held back for certain groups to, to meet UA for regulations and anticipates some of those being made available before the match, meaning Barcelona could break the record attendance for a women's game for the second time in a month if they fill the 99,354 capacity stadium. 
There is no doubting that Barcelona play exquisite football. They're the defending Champions League title holders and they boast the best player in the world right now in Alexia Puteas. The Spaniard won the women's Ballon d'Or last year and has scored 29 goals this season already. Here's a team, though, that's normally playing in a 6,000-seat stadium, only sometimes selling that ground out, now playing in front of nearly 100,000 fans. So I guess the question has to be asked, what's changed? Mm. Their players are the same players. Their skills are the same skills. They're playing the same game. So the change for me, I think, has to come from the fact that the club stakeholders have put them on the biggest stage and mm. shared their story. Um, they've given the athletes the visibility they deserve. Um, they've given them the same respect that they give the men's team when scheduling their matches in the Showcase Stadium. Um, and their results are there. Like the people are coming to watch. Um, so in making that game accessible to everyone, Barcelona are breaking records and reaping the rewards. In addition to the crowd attendances, the tournament has been breaking broadcast records with the quarterfinal between Barca and Real Madrid receiving more than 2.6 million live views worldwide for the broadcaster Dazen, which includes their YouTube channel where it's free to watch. So I love this. So Lucy Mills is a program manager at the FC Barcelona Foundation. And when asked what has led to explosion in crowd and viewing numbers, she's listed four reasons. This is so practical and so good. So it makes sense and it's easy to follow. Number one, the fact that Barca fans and Barcelona citizens are incredibly proud of the women's team. People love the players' style of play as much as they do the personalities. They're down-to-earth, likable and personable characters. And perhaps during the rockier spells of the men's team, the women's team provided another outlet of pride for fans. Number two, the match was advertised everywhere. Billboards, TV, news. It was hard to not know that the game was happening. Number three, match tickets were priced at between €9 and €15, a price point that was accessible for a broad range of people. Experiencing Camp Nou is a once in a lifetime experience and this was an affordable opportunity to do so, especially for those otherwise priced out of usual match ticket prices. And number four, the changing tide towards equality in football and greater support of women's football chimes well with Barcelona citizens. It's a progressive and open-minded city. The government is active in its support for refugees, for LGBTQI plus rights, for women's rights and for sustainability. Mills believes that it's no surprise that its citizens come out in their thousands to get behind the women's team. In other words, I'm moving to Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's amazing work from, from the club and I think something that they should be proud of. But as you said, really simple outline, really simple kind of guidelines there as to how, how they got it done um, and really hoping to see that replicated throughout women's football in Europe. Obviously, football in Europe is huge and so the people are there. We just They, they just need, again, match. the match was advertised everywhere. That for me is the key. Mm-hmm. You've got to, the people need to know it's on. I think Alexia Puteas summed it up after the quarterfinal when she said, this has been utterly magical. When the match finished, the fans simply didn't want to go home. There was such a connection between them and us while we celebrated. To hear them singing that they want to go to Turin, it was superb. That's where the um, Champions League final was is, is to be held. So, again, more footage online of the players, you know, banging drums after the game with, with the fans. It was, yeah, pretty epic. Very cool. Let's take a look at what to watch. 
The Matildas go again against the Kiwis tonight in Canberra at GIO Stadium. Match two of the two-match series will kick off at 7.45pm and will be live on 10 Bold, 10 Play and Paramount+. Plus. In netball, the Suncorp Super Netball enters round four tonight and the two undefeated teams go head-to-head in Melbourne. The Vixens will host the West Coast Fever and only one of those teams will remain undefeated. The match starts at 6pm tonight, Tuesday night, and is live on KO Sports, Freebies and Foxtel. In Rugby Union, Super W 2nd v 3rd semi-final between the New South Wales Waratahs and the Queensland Reds will be held on Thursday night. The match will kick off at 6pm at Eric Tweedle Stadium in Granville and you can watch live on Stan. Then we will take on Fiji and Drua in the grand final. In surfing, the Rip Curl Pro at Bells Beach is underway. Um, They're in a waiting period waiting for a bit more swell, but you can check it out as it unfolds on Foxtel, on the WSL app and website. And that's the wrap. That was a good one. I had fun. Glad you did, friend. It was. It's always a pleasure, never a chore. Always thanks for the hot cross buns. Fresh and delicious to to toast them this morning. Pretty sure I'm only on the wrap for the baked goods and coffees I bring. No comment. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe to this and sign up to the newsletter by the link in the show notes. And we'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.